What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom? Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. <laughs> sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. Hey guys, welcome back to Paul's to the Wall. I am your host, Mike Paul. Joined once again, we got the uh, the full band back together. We got my brother Nick and my good buddy Tyler. And for the first time, we are joined by the host of one of my new favorite libertarian podcasts, Clint from Liberty Lockdown. So Clint, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on, Mike. It's a pleasure to meet you, and I I always like to find like-minded people, so this will be a blast. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think a, a good place to kick this off, I had a thought today. I was thinking, if I was of a left-wing persuasion, like, I would just kind of take a knee and call the game one at this point, because imagine if you had all of the government, all of Hollywood, all of academia— and all of the big tech and, and big corporations all in your corner. Imagine if they're doing everything, pushing free market solutions and individuality and Austrian school of economics and everything that we know and love. Like, what, why would you be trying so hard? You know, it's so interesting to think why they keep wanting to move the ball and, and just go after, you know, taxing people that make 400 grand a year now. So what do you guys think they uh, like? Wh- what is their mo- like their end goal? What do, what do they want out of everyone? Oh, I. Can I hop in real quick? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's this is the reason that conservatives lose is because the left plays for keeps. They play to to absolutely dominate their opponent. Whereas the, the conservatives are like, no, no, no. We just want to keep, you know, this is our line here. Just please, just please let us keep this little, you know, plot of freedom that we have left. And the and the progressives are like, we're we want what we already have and we're taking whatever you value. I mean, that, and it sounds, I really didn't used to feel that way. I used to feel like the left was more, um, you know, the indoctrination from childhood was like, they're the anti-war people and they're the altruists and they're the peace, peace nicks. And they're like, you know, let's go along to get along. I think if anything, we've been proven over the past 12 months in particular, uh, that's not the fucking case. Like they want everything. And I don't think that they're going to stop personally. Yeah, I don't either. I, it's, it's like, it's like a, a parasite or a virus, you know, it needs to find a new host all the time and they just keep infecting whatever they can. It just, I, the goalpost, I mean, if you look at, if you look at even like the early, early two thousands, even Obama is conservative by the new standards. Oh yeah. I mean, Obama would almost have to run as a Republican now. Just, yeah. it, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not even like, you know, when you talk about the the goal, and I think progressivism inherently, there is no end game or goal. It's just it it always must be pushed forward. And I forgot who I was listening to. Maybe it was like Curtis Yarvin that made the analogy that progressivism is like a, a banana. And if you have zero progressivism, it's like a green, unripe banana. But then there's a certain amount where it's like, okay, this is good. This is edible. This is ideal. And then the further it goes, it just turns rotten and starts decomposing and stinking. And I think that's the point that we're getting to with progressivism, especially with it being so dominant. So I think it's, you know, we just had Vin Armani on talking about the cathedral and, and how it operates and what the end game is. And, 
he was saying, you know, it's, it's, it's its own organism. It's, it's a hive consciousness that's moving things forward. So I don't think there is an end game. I mean, if you take the approach that there is like the Illuminati and the Rothschilds run everything and they're, they're, you know, or George Soros, then it makes more sense that there's an end game, but I think it's just pretty much organic. And that's, what's the scary part about it. So, uh, Clint, when, you know, you're, you're in California and for now, you you so you kind of see what the rest of the country is going to see in a few years. I mean, is is it as bad as as what they're saying on on the news? Uh, it's it's really tough because I don't have the perspective that other people have. So like, I don't know that I'm significantly worse than the rest mm-hmm. of the country. Um, I can say from my own personal standards, it's untenable. It's unlivable. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had restaurants that have basically been closed consistently for a year now and and you can only do carry out um in my little city in carlsbad the the businesses banded together and they told the city council and they told um the well city of san diego and the city of carlsbad uh, council that to shove it and that they they basically hired an attorney and they said we're staying open deal with it um so that's been great i mean i've got to feel a little bit of normalcy we're now in like purple tier whatever that means so our gyms just reopened um, in, inside and they were only outside. They, they had moved all the equipment outside. Is this happening really? in the rest of the country? I don't even know. Like, is yeah, that what well, you we're, guys- uh, Nick and I are in Illinois. Tyler grew up right with us, but now he's in Nebraska. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Illinois, we kind of get passed over because, uh, Newsom and Cuomo kind of get all the, uh, the media time, but Pritzker is no slouch. I mean, <laughs> like it's, he's, he's like, uh, you know, if, if it was like a car company, he's like the AMC, he's trying to be part of the big three, but, um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Like they don't, he wants to hold as much power as he possibly can. And I'm out in a 3000 person uh, farm town in Northern Illinois, about an hour and a half West of Chicago. But, you know, in my town, yeah, I mean, you can go to a bar and nobody wears a mask and nothing's enforced. And since it's such a small town, even the, uh, you know, the, nothing's enforced because the cops shop at the same grocery stores and they they're, they know the bar owners and it's a small town. So they don't mm. they don't want to attack each other. So it's kind of refreshing. But once you go towards the suburbs near Chicago, it's a different planet. I mean, it's just like everyone's walking outside with uh, with their dog wearing a mask with no people in sight. It, it's madness. Yep. Same, same here. I mean, it. In the, it's funny if you go to the beach, on the beach everyone's maskless. So like it's a really good test for whether or not you're a crazy person. But if you're <laughs> a block away from the beach, everyone's wearing masks that are walking around to the the gift shops and shit like that. Because I live in a pretty touristy town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's I I can't even give you a percentage. I don't know. Maybe it's fifty fifty of people that are still taking this extraordinarily seriously, and then the other half that are just totally fucking done with it. But in terms of the the legal system and the laws and the governance that we've had to deal with, I mean, obviously we are we are controlled and ruled by Newsom, um, so it's not good. And you know, I, I don't know if they're going to ever let us go back to normal, quote unquote. Um, I, I'm of the belief that they are not going to. Uh, I think that it'll be basically that. That's why I've been going so fucking insane on Twitter over the past 48 hours about the the vaccine passports because I really believe that that's that will decide whether or not normal is attainable or not. If they go to the vaccine passport side of things, there's no going back. There's no going back. Like I I either, either I fight and I die or I leave this country. Those are the options Um, because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to live under it. That's just a fact. So 
I don't know, man. Yeah. It's it's full court press time. Yeah, you know, Clint, tell me what you. Uh, sorry, Tyler. I'll, I'll no, you're jump good. in real quick, but tell me what you think of this. I mean, I think this has been talked about a lot, but the whole hardcore mask mandate thing, this this culture of being hysterical, is a very corporate thing. Like you guys were talking about being in a smaller town, you go to a local bar, nobody's wearing a mask. But if you go into any Walmart across the country, I mean, they are strict. They have somebody at the door checking you for your mask and everything, and sure you can take it off after you get in. But it's it's really. It's what scares me is it's the institutional support of the hysteria and the official narrative. Like it's, it's Amazon, it's Walmart, it's all these things nationwide. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to a lot of libertarians just a few years ago and you said, you know, Amazon is becoming a monopoly, almost every libertarian would be like, well, places got to learn how to compete better. You know, they're just providing better services for lower costs. And now I think we're in the situation where it's almost like we need to boycott these bigger places and say, okay, we, we are going to withdraw our funds from you and we're going to shop elsewhere and do things differently if you're going to be part of this. And I think the more people uh, consent to this and keep shopping at these, you know, big places and, you know, unwittingly giving this institutional support, uh, even while consciously opposing it, that's, it it seems like that's the strategy we got to take. We have to oppose it at that level. Would you agree with that, Clint? Yeah. I I mean, I don't really want to go to the to the extents that the left does when it comes to boycotting businesses that, you know, they they take the they do it for totally different purposes. Obviously, they do it when the company's not acting woke enough. We we are now forced to try and do it when they're not treating us as free human beings. Um, I think that our grounds are much more profound and true, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't believe that you will get conservatives to do that. I just don't believe it. Um, so as far as I'm concerned. It's a governmental issue more than it is a corporate one, simply because we we have to we basically have to dismantle the state for this to stop. Like I I know it sounds totally ridiculous and far fetched and crazy, but I just don't believe that we can we can organize ourselves well enough to protest. Like people aren't going to stop doing one click on Amazon. Like it's just not going to ha- it's not going to happen. It's too and, convenient. And, exactly, and they and they have too many advantages when it comes to tax accountants and lobbyists and and they're control over uh you know trade bills everything that gets written by the the congress is basically written by the attorneys for amazon and walmart and all these big boys so um until i i really think you have to strike the root like if we don't if we don't pull back the state i don't think that you'll ever have real competition and a real free market capitalist society again um i personally don't think that we will pr- prevail in this fight i'm feeling a little black pilled today uh, but i really believe that's the only way yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the unfortunate truth. Um, but yeah, Clint, another cool dynamic I thought about talking uh, with you on the show is uh, how you also only recently started last year, and I believe you started right at the beginning of the lockdowns, hence the name of your show. Right. Um, we started our well, our first episodes after the the election, and um, you know, my initial you guys already had Vin Armani on. Damn, you guys are killing it, <laughs> dude. I, I swear to God, the liberty-minded people are the nicest people in the world. Like it's they don't true. say no; they just they love spreading their message. Yeah, it's true. And um, you know, initially I, I didn't aim to make it a political show. I it started as the Mike Paul cast. It was just going to be me. And within the f- my third episode was Scott Horton and then Gene Epstein and then Nick was like, "Holy shit, I want in!" <laughs> so we, we rebranded <laughs> the show. Miss. Yeah, I could not miss when you said I got Scott Horton coming on Friday, and I was getting married on Saturday, and I'm like. I'll be there. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I uh, never turned back. So we rebranded the show and, and it, I didn't 
aim to make it political. I want to just kind of talk about topics that interest me with people who know more than myself on them. And unfortunately, starting after the election, most of what's been on my mind has been political. So it's it's kind of, I think in our first 30 some episodes, it's been 95% uh, political libertarian podcast hosts and, and those uh, people of those likes. But um, what exactly motivated you to, to get into doing it? And was it the outbreak of the lockdowns? You just felt compelled that you had to use this platform to get your message out? Yeah. I, I mean, I had done a kind of a podcast probably more along the lines that that you were going for. Um, I had done a show for three years with two of my best guy friends where we just, you know, talk shit to each other essentially. And it was a blast. Um, but they had corporate gigs, so we didn't, we didn't publicize it at all. We didn't even tell our, our families about it. Like no one knew about it. It was like we had our hundred best friends that listened. So it was, it was a nothing, um, but it was just fun. And it was a good way to like, as you get into your thirties and your friends start to move away and shit, it's just a good way to stay in touch. So that's, oh, sure. it was basically an extended phone call between the three <laughs> of us. Um, but then, Obviously, well, we we stopped doing that about a year prior to the lockdown starting. And then when the lockdown started, because I already had the experience with podcasting to some extent, I mean, even though I had no audience, I, I at least had the equipment and I knew how to do it uh, generally. I, I was just I was mortified. I was I, I can't even like overstate how concerned and horrified I was by the fact that not only that the government was doing it, but that the American people were more or less supporting it. Uh, and I was just like, okay, this, I'm looking at the news. No one's pushing back. No one has anything contrary to say whatsoever. It's just like, well, yeah, of course, 15 days. We, yeah, that's what they said, 15 days. Okay, whatever. And then it's like, okay, well, now we're two months in. And I started my show in May because I was like, this isn't ending. And I knew it wasn't ending. And I knew it wasn't going to end anytime soon. And I was like, this, there needs to be dissenting viewpoints out here. I mean, sure, we have guys like Dave and we have a, a handful of others that, that go hard in the paint for us, but it's very limited. And basically, I just used it as an outlet for rage. I was right. I was so fucking pissed, and I just wanted to get get it off my chest. And then I found an audience from doing that. I mean, that's really all it was. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's shitty circumstances to to right. get started, but it's it's awesome. You know, I, I I in hindsight, that probably would have been a better outlet than I at the time. I was still using Facebook regularly, and I took to that with my criticisms, and it was not well received. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> yeah. so is not, not for, for anti-lockdown rants for sure. No. <laughs> no, and still to this day, like I'll pop on every now and then. I'll like I have notifications turned off, so I'll just go on there, throw a bomb, and just dip out, and I'll come back, and I'll be like, "You just novels, people typing novels, people saying I'm <laughs> deleting you," and I'm like, "Oh, whatever." <laughs> so your outlet was at least more productive, you know. You, you yeah got to well, talk I, to interesting people, made some new friends along the way. Oh, it's been it's been incredible. Um, I I mean it really like brought me back from the brink of insanity because I was, I felt so alone in it. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. in Southern California. So like the people were accepting this almost entirely, especially early on. Like recently I've definitely felt a shift in the, you know, the ethos where like people are, all right, this is, we've gone far enough folks. Like it's been a year, come on. Um, but, it, but in the first three months, I mean, no one, no one was opposing it and I couldn't find anyone to oppose it in my real life. So uh, thankfully I had just gotten engaged with Twitter like a year prior and like during the run up to the Trump election. And I had grown a decent Twitter following from that. I had like a thousand followers or something. Um, so I, I had kind of like dipped my toe into Liberty Twitter world. And then obviously when I started the show, you know, for the first three months I was talking to myself for the most part. And then 
Um, because like you said, you, the Liberty community is so gracious with their time. I just started to invite a few people and the, the names just got bigger and bigger, like exponentially. It was really, it just blew my mind. And yeah, and it's just great. It's, it's just been, it's been a lifesaver. I, I can't even overstate it. Yeah. But you know, in your case, I want to give all, all the credit to your guests. I mean, I've, I moved you into my rotation where I didn't know I needed another libertarian podcast. I thought Smith and Woods was all I needed. You know? <laughs> that's, that's, very, that's very high praise. I really appreciate it. No, it's, it really is. And um, I've, been, I've really, really been enjoying your show. And it's, um, I think you have a lot to bring to the table. And that, you know, if, if there was a stock to be bought in your show, I'd be investing right now because I think you're, you're destined for great things. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that, that means a lot. I mean, Dave, Dave described his moment of nighting when he got to go on the Ron Paul Liberty Report. And and how you know Ron just sat him down and was like, just very high praise and and speaking to him in like a really uplifting way and and I I felt like that's what Dave gave me you know he was yeah. just like he really he really went above and beyond in endorsing me he's retweeted me like fifty times I mean it's crazy yeah. the guy the guy is totally lifting my boat and and it's uh, I mean that dude's a power broker. I mean, I just, I yeah. can't, you can't say it any other way that that dude has a, a rabid fan base. And, and I think that, um, hopefully it'll continue. Hopefully I can go on it multiple times and see where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I did, uh, I did hear you on, on timeline earth in preparation for Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I haven't seen the YouTube yet, but I'm assuming they couldn't con you into the ultimate end of the episode ploy, huh? No. I was like, that was all fun. Um, for those yeah. that didn't listen to that episode, we we spent like the second half of that entire show just talking about the most fucked up things I can do while like getting my big break talking to Dave Smith. So um, I think it was Aaron's idea was to have me um, talk about Robbie the entire episode. First off, which is Dave's co-host, <laughs> and just like every time I ask Dave a question, I say, "Yo, what's what's Robbie think about this though?" And just treat him like he's the sidekick, you know, like he's the Batman to, or he's the Robin to Robbie's Batman. So I thought that would have been funny. I didn't do that because I'm a fucking pussy. And then uh, Aaron's idea, I was supposed to have like a, a swastika pop up on my my green screen, and like that would have been a disaster. So we didn't we didn't go that route. And then lastly, I was supposed to be like, "Yo, do you think Robbie like?" Does he, is he into me? And then I stand up and I have no pants on and I have a hard dick. I don't even know what we were going with that. So yeah, that, those were the ideas. I didn't do any of them. I'm very sorry. And I, I was, when I was listening to that, I was, I was driving back to Illinois at the time and I, I was in tears. I, I was, I was laughing so hard. I'm swerving all over the highway. Those, those guys, the so ideas funny. as the episode went on just got more and more ridiculous. <laughs> And it was it was so good. That was that was I gotta give you guys props. That was pure gold. <laughs> I was that was a blast. It was so funny. Um, but I did see. So now that you've uh, you know you've gained some momentum on Twitter, and you you get into some we'll call them engaging discussions <laughs> with uh, certain sectors of the LP. And I did see that you had a little beef with uh, Mr. Seth Rogan. Yeah, that was out of nowhere. I was like, I can't even yeah. believe, I can't believe this dude's replying to me. Um, what was it? I think it was the LP Kentucky tweet, uh, which basically about the yellow stars. Yeah, yeah analogized that. Um, obviously, some people pushed back because they thought that oh, you can't compare it to the Holocaust. It's as if like the Holocaust didn't start somewhere. Like as if you don't lead up to 
all these people being executed. Um, mm -hmm. I I thought it was a completely apt metaphor personally, and it's not it's not to say that it's the same thing. I don't I don't know why people struggle with this concept that like we're not we're not equating the two. We are comparing the two. We're saying right. that this might be the next step. So anyway, Seth Rogen hops in there and he says like, what did he say? Do you do you remember? It wasn't nice. Yeah, he was like, I, I think oh, he, he basically said, like, get said, the fuck out of here with this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, like, fuck um, off with that shit or something. So I had just woken up, and I was feeling spicy. I don't know why. And and I typed back to him. I said, I will debate you on any topic, anywhere, with no prep, live on air, and I'll ruin your career. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, was, it was such a stretch. It was such a reach, but I was like... I do believe it, though. I, I do believe that I could absolutely beat Seth Rogen on debate about comedy, uh, even, like, anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll fucking yeah. beat that dude's ass. So um, I said it, and then he replied, and then it just set off a firestorm amongst my followers as I kept retweeting. He tried to get me to debate, debate about uh, hot dogs versus hamburgers. It was just, it was fun and super <laughs> So it's yeah, good for the club. Did you get any, uh, any nasty, like, DMs from him or anything? No. I was surprised, because I, I heard that he always DMs anyone he beefs with asking if they're Jewish. And I was like, please, let's let's do this. I, yeah. I would love to have some DMs from, uh, from him. But no, he didn't go that route. Dang. Yeah, I, yeah, I lately, couldn't believe that. Lately, I've been uh, growing more fond of that strategy of just talking shit and trying to rally people that agree with you. Because, yeah. you know, let's say like late spring, early summer last year, I was trying for people that were, you know, afraid of the virus and hysterical. I was trying to like rationally reach them. Right. And I'm showing them data and like referring all these things I heard on like Tom Woods, fantastic speeches. And it would just be, it would be nothing like that. You get just nothing but feedback from them. And I, so I started just getting more and more angry. Like you talked about feeling alone and, and like being gaslighted when you can look at the data and look at what's going on, where it's going and, uh, and feel like you're, you're vindicated. And, Lately, I've been taking that approach. I just talking shit more and just mocking people and making fun of them. And honestly, it's just trying to fire up the people who already agree with us, because I think anybody that's not woken up yet there, nothing will wake them up until it's too late, maybe. But I really right. like that, that approach, you know, just mock people. It's more effective. Yeah. And I mean, I try not to do it if someone comes at me with a good spirit. But if you come at me with nonsense, then yeah, I, I, I mean, First off, just because my Twitter following has gotten so significant, I don't have time for it, you know? So like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the debates about vaccine efficacy rates and all this shit. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I don't have time for it. I'm sorry. Um, so basically I'll just use these as opportunities to like rally the troops. And I really feel like in this moment, particularly with the vaccine passport concept being floated, we needed to rally the troops. That, that was Absolutely. what, that is what yeah. had mm -hmm. to happen. And, and I started doing it, you know, yesterday more, well, actually two nights ago. Um, and then Dave went ham on it and it went super viral for him. And then I had the Seth Rogen thing and it was like, I, I really felt like the entire community came together in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, especially with, uh, uh, LP Kentucky, um, you know, throwing their hat in the ring and actually fucking bringing some reinforcements for us for once from the LP side. Um, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And I really think that it, I mean, it, it separated the wheat from the chaff. Like we found out who's yep. who's actually ride or die for liberty and who's just fucking LARPing. And Damn. thank God, because we need yeah. to know who's who's actually all in. 
Yeah, no, and that dude Dave had such a good rant about that on his last show. Like, I like I, I felt so inspired. Not that I needed it, but I was like, damn, that was like I just I want to share with anybody that's in favor of that. Like, I just yeah. like it, it was it was I could not change a word or say it better. It was it was so well done. And I once again, yeah, I watched I'm, it I'm at so... the gym. I, I watched it at the gym last night, and I I was like done, and I was just gonna go do cardio. And he he like it was the live stream, is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, from well, I was about his. The the uh, vaccine uh, mandate one or the passport. Well, he actually released two episodes yesterday, so I don't know if. Oh, okay. I saw them. But... I I didn't catch the live stream, but I, I caught the okay. one. Well, oh, I would right. ca- I would check the live stream out because that was the one that that got me gassed up because he was like, he's like, this is the this is the time, this is the moment. You know, he just kept hammering, and I was yeah. like, all right, I'm gonna go do another set. I got hit another set. It was great. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No, but he, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that he has such a large following right now. And I'm glad there's more guys like you throwing their hat in the ring with it. Um, and, you know, it's like the, the fact that he's connected with Rogan is a, is a huge, you know, kind of optimistic thing where it's like, Hey, you know, you have, you're within reaching distance of a very big platform. Hopefully you can get his ear, you know, and hopefully this the message biggest. can get as big as it can. Yeah. The biggest platform. I mean, that, yeah. that's the main reason that I found out about Dave was cause I was a huge Roganite. You know, I listened to Rogan for like mm-hmm. a decade and mm-hmm. when, when Dave went on there, I was like, holy shit, my my belief system is on Joe Rogan right now. Like my my genuine belief system, not not even Peter Schiff, none of these guys that are like close, but not really there. Like, this is my dude. And he was on fucking Rogan. And it was such a big moment for me. And I, I know a lot of people felt that way. And it, and it showed me, I started listening to POTP like five years ago, whenever he was first on Rogan. And mm. it showed me that there could actually be a career out of this. And I really never thought about pursuing it. I, I was a very successful entrepreneur and mortgage broker but then the lockdowns happened and i was like well i i don't i can't in good conscience continue to operate my business because i don't believe that the real estate market's going to hold in this environment so i have to completely reorient my entire life and because i had seen dave's success i was like well i'm gonna give it a shot you know what, what do i have to lose i'm sitting on unemployment over the summer <laughs> like who gives a fuck let's just give this a go so I'm, I'm so glad that so many more people are getting involved i can't tell you how important it is in this moment like I really genuinely believe this is our last chance to save freedom in this country. And I know that sounds completely hyperbolic and ridiculous, but like it's our last chance. I really believe that. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely time to dig some trenches and and pick a hill to die on because if, if you look at, you know, and I, I like the momentum that certain parts of the libertarian movement are taking where it's like, it's probably time to purge some of these social club weaklings out of the party. I, because, you know, and, and Dave's, I, Dave said it when he was talking to you, like it, the movement's not going to win the white house, but it can, it can most certainly serve as a, I guess for lack of a better term, a propaganda arm to really help push the real message. Yep. You know, it's time, time to stop. You know, you, you get, you can get time on the news without having to beg for it. You can get time on the news, like like Pete Quinones says, where it's like, get up there and start naming your enemies. Okay. Call these people out. I mean, look at look at how much free press, even if it was negative, that Donald Trump got. You can't tell me the LP can't get some semblance of that momentum as well. Especially a guy like Dave. Especially yeah. a guy like Dave. Yeah. Right. And and it, whether Dave wants to admit it yet or not, he's 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 got what it takes. The the charisma, you know, he's got the following. He's got he's got what it takes to get that, that TV time and, and really build a movement. Yeah. And that's yeah, a that's real organized thing. movement. 
I mean, it's not like Dave is pretty much immune to being canceled just because if they wanted to ruin him, they would just pull up like any given episode of Legion of Skanks and here's Dave dropping an <laughs> N-bomb. And then everybody that knows him would be like, yeah, that's fucking A, that's Dave. You know, it'd be, yeah, exactly. yeah. It'd be great. I so. mean, so he, we're not going to, he's not going to lose his base. Like we're not going anywhere. No. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's all going to come down to, has the woke culture actually taken over this country? I don't believe it has. I still don't believe it has. I refuse to believe it has. I believe that most people, conservatives in particular, are sick to fucking death of this garbage. And they, they want it They want it to end. And if Dave gets up there and he uses profanity and he points out his enemies and he calls CNN exact, all, the, all the same shit that Trump did, I think that they will, you will get a huge uprising of people that say, okay, I'm willing to listen now. Like Trump yep. failed us. Trump didn't give us anything that we actually expected to get. And ultimately, we don't even believe that he lost the election legitimately. I mean, most conservatives don't believe that. So no. why what, why would you not consider a third option at this point? I mean, it, it's, oh, it's such a good argument at this point. Well, now I can't put this episode on YouTube anytime soon. You said uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said the no-no words. I, I no. was paraphrasing. I'm sorry. Uh, satire, but, right? It's all comedy. Yeah, it was satire. You know, it, I actually don't have thing. an opinion on the election. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm currently in like small town Nebraska, and I kid you not, I've heard people say right to my face that they consider Joe Biden the Antichrist. So you can't tell me like masks aren't a thing here. And like Walmart tried for a few weeks. They tried to like stop you at the door and put on a mask and people just walk by and shake their head. Hell yeah. So like you can't tell me that people in these areas, especially like this, you can't tell me they wouldn't be receptive to the at least parts of the liberty message. Yeah. And at that, least I parts. Think, I think that was the mistake. And that's that's the other reason I got involved is because the LP failed so fucking awfully when it oh, came God. to messaging on the on the anti-lockdown stance. And now and now they're you know they're tepid at best when it comes to the anti-vaccine passport stance and, and mandated vaccinations. Like they have been cowardly all through this, mm -hmm. just completely cowardly. And we need courageous action. Right. We're not going to yeah. win the presidency. We need we need to fucking tell them what we actually believe. Stop watering down our principles. Tell them what we actually believe because people don't believe that libertarians are serious. They think that we're fucking, you know, white collar, white dudes from the suburbs and we don't have any fucking backbone whatsoever. And guess what? They're kind of right. That's what we've been. Yeah. We've been fucking bitches and I'm sick of yeah. it and I'm done with it. And I am a white guy from the suburbs, but I'm fucking ready to fight. So Anybody that's out there that's listening, fucking get involved. Like, we need you. We need you right now. It's the only time that we have, if you care about, not even yourself, if you care about your fucking kids, the next generation that comes up, if you believe that freedom needs to survive on this planet, period, you have to get involved and you have to talk about it honestly, because this shit is going to go very, very south and very, very quickly. It already has. I don't even need to, like, tell people, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's really telling when you see like there's a couple Republican governors that have been better on the lockdowns than the LP. You know, I yes. know like Ron DeSantis in Florida is already saying we're not doing passports. I know. So, you yeah. know, I was my, my dad lives in Florida and I'm texting him like, hey, uh, if this shit goes down, can I stay in your guest room? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Real talk, but, yeah. but, you know, that's how how sad like the Republic. There's a couple, not all of them. But a couple of them have been better than the LP. Like the LP should have been, like you said, the first ones on this. Yep. And it's, and, and and it's they're unforgivable. Getting they're getting shown up by mainstream Republicans that run a couple, the third, what, third most populous state in the country. Right. And, and Noam as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's why it's so disappointing is because 
this message is clearly popular. Like it is fucking popular. I don't know why mm -hmm. I have to sell it. It's so obvious. DeSantis and Nome are worshipped by the conservatives right now because they are the most anti-lockdown people that are in that uh, yep. that position of power. And and yet the LP is still trying to go after the fucking Black Lives Matter movement and all this woke garbage. I don't understand it for the life of me. That is not what the LP is about. It's not about. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying that we're not interested in alleviating the issues that Black Lives Matter wants to have alleviated, but we are not about identity politics. That's just not what we are about, and everybody knows it. So, I'm I'm just done playing the game of trying to woo people that are completely opposed to us ideologically. It's like go after the people that are close. They're so fucking close. Every conservative relative I have is close to being a libertarian. Very Absolutely. few. Very few leftists I know are close to being a libertarian. So come on. Yep. And you know what's what's frustrating about South Dakota and Florida and the LP and everybody that's on our side is it's like, guys, this is a shining exhibit that empirically we're right about this. It's like you, you claim that we need the passports and the mask mandates and all these things to save lives. But look at the data from Texas and Mississippi. They reopened three weeks ago. They are still going down in numbers and they're in the middle. Like you could not point to me if you had all 50 States on a chart, which ones are the States that opened up? Are they the ones that are the highest? No, they're not. They're, they're exactly where they were before. So we are <laughs> empirically right. But it's like, even though we we're empirically right and we have the data and all of this stuff to show people like, Hey, look, I'm right on the actual argument here. It is so beyond that because of the cognitive dissonance of the, the hypnotized soldiers of the left. Yep. And, uh, and, and yeah, man, it's, it is time to fight back. Like it's, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna change hearts and minds anymore with the, yeah, it's, it's we're, not so gonna, we're not gonna do it with rational thought. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. It's so amazing that the, the party of science, like they, they won't listen to data. It yeah. like, we have <laughs> a year of data. It's like, look at like Tom Woods points out, like, look at these graphs. Here's states that locked down. Here's states that did not lock down. Here's pre mask mandate. Here's post put them all together, shuffle them up, point to me, which ones use masks. You can't do it. There's no correlation whatsoever. Yep. But there's it just it goes in one ear and out the other because you are a science denier. Yep. And I think I think that's why Vin Armani has been so appealing to me because he has broken me from that mindset of like it doesn't matter if we're right. It doesn't matter if we have the science and the facts on our side. We have to inspire people. We have to like put the spirit back into them of being revolutionary fighters for freedom. Like, that's what I'm about. I want to fucking inspire people to remember what we're actually fighting for. Stop stop trying to win the, the battle of intellect. We have superior intellect. It hasn't fucking helped us. Like, it hasn't. So we have to come up with a new plan of attack. And, and in, unless we do that, we'll just, we're doomed to repeat exactly the failures that we've continued to have for decades. Yeah, that... Dude, Vin, like that episode, like really, like that whole next day, I was just kind of rethinking a lot of things that I thought I had figured out. Like he was, he did such a good job of breaking down some of these philosophies that it was, that guy's brilliant. I mean, he is. Shy of brilliant. I have Absolutely. him on in two weeks was, and I cannot wait. Yeah, it was one of the best conversations. Not, it was easily, I think the best podcast we've done, but it was one of the best conversations I'd ever had in my life where I'm like, dude, I feel enlightened after this, you know, like re-inspired. Yeah, no, he's he's amazing. I I just love I love the the different perspective that he brings to all this. It, and I'm not a religious person, but he has definitely inspired me to consider the strengths of spirituality and religion when it comes to winning this fight. 
And mm -hmm. whether or not I actually take the religious path, I don't know. I don't. I still don't have it in me yet. Um, but as far as the tactics, I think that we have to consider what he's saying. I really, I really believe that because, yep. man, he's got it. He's got it locked in. Yeah, I mean, the one thing Vin and I both connected over was once we both had kids was the one that really kind of like I, Nick and I were both raised straight Catholic, and then I kind of strayed in my early twenties. Where Tyler and I are thirty, Nick's twenty six. Um, I met my wife when I was 25. She had a three-year-old daughter, married her, and I had three more kids really fast. So I had four kids in five years. Yeah. And uh, Damn, son. Yeah. No, I, know. I got to I I I pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but no, but I, I was talking about how like I turned into the the mom from Waterboy, where I see everything is the devil or not the devil. I look around. It's like these toys are the devil. That music's the devil. That TV show's the devil. These clothes, like it, it is... It makes you rethink. I and mean, I've gotten so much more religious since I had kids. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have any kids yet. So maybe that's that's where I'll have my spiritual enlightenment. But I do I do meditate a lot and I, I practice yoga so that I think that that's like that's my baby steps towards some sort of religious practice. Um, mm -hmm. And it's definitely helped me. I mean, it has it has aligned me in a way that I hadn't been in my 20s. And I think that it's it's inspired me and given me the strength to do what I'm doing over the past year where I'm like really bearing my soul to my audience and like just putting it all out there. Just see, see what, see what sticks. But I, I think that's a good approach. You know, you, you either got to be all in or, or not, you mm -hmm. know, especially with especially how now, <laughs> yeah. With, with how things have, have developed and how quickly, I mean, I was, I was shocked. I, I didn't think that they could, just flip a switch and turn the whole country off and then just exude so much fear and power over an invisible, I mean, it's a cough. I had it. I, I had it. And within three days I, I was, I had to quarantine at my brother's house. I was painting walls. I was like, well, what other projects you got? I'm fine, but I got 11 <laughs> more days of this shit. So, you know, but it's like, I had family members acting like I had the plague. Right. They, you know, I, I had people like friends are like, oh, my God, you, I heard you have it. Like, are you OK? Do you need to go to the hospital? I'm like, no. Like, right. I've had hangovers worse than this. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like those some of those college nights were rough. Well, what's what's wild to me is I have lived completely normally for since August because like I took mm -hmm. it quasi seriously for the first couple months because like well first off everyone else was so i didn't have anybody to hang out with anyway so i was kind of like and i work from home so i was just and my gym was closed so i spent a lot of time by myself so i was kind of like quarantining even though i didn't really want to but then after that you know my volleyball group started to get back together and friends started to have parties and we started to live totally normally so i've been doing that for seven eight months now and yeah and i haven't gotten it or if i have i got it and i didn't even know so like I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to live in fear of this thing anymore. If I can, if I can live through this most lethal, dangerous pandemic for eight months completely normally and be fine, I think that if you're healthy and you're young, that's what you, that's what you ought to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's you know, I would say in the last, uh, in the last year, like I would say last, uh, April, like I've been doing Brazilian jujitsu for about eight years and I, it killed me to take six weeks off, like in the beginning of March into April, but about mid April, me and a few friends, started like blocking out the windows at the gym and just, you know, getting there and training. And it was like it. a speakeasy. Yeah, it was a speakeasy. It was, yeah. it was a very 1920s prohibition vibe. It was a lot of fun, but you know, since then it's like restaurants started slowly opening. And then I would say by late last summer, it was basically like 
okay, I'm just going back to my life as usual. That's when I go to the store, I have to wear a mask, but other than that, it's fine. And what's disturbing about the trend the last couple months since Biden has taken office is now that there's this national push for passports and everything. It's like, they just, they can't let you have that. They can't let anybody just go on with life as usual. If you slip through the cracks, they're not going to have it. And the, the federal stuff is, uh, is particularly alarming to me. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's exactly why this is so concerning because as far as I can tell, based off of the actual figures and the actual statistics of what's actually occurring on the ground, we are on the other side of this thing. And particularly oh, yeah. with there's, there being enough vaccine doses for the people that want it for the most part. I mean, we'll have, we will have everybody that wants a vaccine will probably have it by midsummer. And anybody that doesn't want it, we will already have herd immunity. This is a fucking non-issue. In my opinion, it's a complete non-issue. I mean, first off, even if it was scientifically true that we needed to have a vaccine passport, I would still oppose it. If this was like the most lethal virus on earth, I would oppose it. But Absolutely. given the circumstances of it being such a fucking bitch-ass, weak-ass virus, fuck you if you think I'm going to fucking <laughs> allow you to like have my medical records be available to get on a flight. Right. No, right. fuck you. And that's going to happen. That's like the most like concerning part to me is like they don't even bring up the discussion of like religious or philosophical exclusions. Like nope. what if this is against like I, I'm not going to put something in my body. Like I, they don't even mention it. And that's like kind of the creepiest part to me. And yeah. like, OK, not, not even on Fox News. They don't mention it. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like maybe it's some giant power play where it's like, OK, there, there's a bunch of money in these vaccines. It's big pharma. There's, there's billions and billions of dollars, you know, involved with getting everyone a, a shot in their arm. And maybe they all got a stake in the game. That's why they're not doing it. But I, I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's absolutely just terrifying. It's like it goes against everything I believe religiously. It, it goes against everything philosophically. And even uh, I, even some health concerns that, you know, like under, if there's any underlying conditions or anything, like I, I don't know the side effects of this thing. I don't there's no long term studies on it. Like you can't have any. That is, it's only been around. I mean, the, the, the virus has been around for just a little over a year. So it's like, what are we what are we doing here? We're, we're all guinea pigs the entire world. Yes, it makes I, people yeah. sicker than COVID. It may. I know well, yeah. several people Many that people, have just yeah. been wiped the fuck out for three days. Like I, I'm dead. I can't. I can't Dude, hang my out. My daughter, know? my daughter's in second grade, and in her school, like all the teachers got vaccinated. They took the day off the next day after the vaccine in case they got sick as a recovery day. The teachers had like a had like a school improvement day, but they said in the emails because they got the vaccine and they may get side effects and need a day off. Right. And I bet I bet a lot of them did have side effects, too. Yeah. So that, that yeah. may not have been unjustified. Uh, can I talk about this? Honestly, I don't want to get you pulled off YouTube. Go ahead. OK, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We're, we're not well, on YouTube yet. So go ahead. Uh, oh, perfect. <laughs> um, I really I really believe that there is a treatment for this. I believe that ivermectin is a silver bullet for this fucking thing. And and if you get covid and you take ivermectin based off of all the studies I've read, if you take ivermectin, you are fine. Like no one dies if you just take ivermectin in the first few days that you're infected. And for some reason, I, I don't I, I can't guess at the conspiracy route because I don't know why, but they are they are trying to get us to take this vaccine. They I believe that there are complete solutions to this that do not require any of this. And mm -hmm. they are they are forbidding it. And I for the life of me, I can't figure it out other than I mean, it's obviously a power play. It's obviously a control thing. Money. Um, money. Um, of course, money has a has billions of liability free dollars. True. But it's like I just I, I struggle to imagine that they would actually sacrifice 
you know, a risk, a, a genuine hot civil war in this country for billions of dollars for medical, you know, or for pharmaceutical companies. Mm -hmm. Like, re really? Is that what is that where we're at? Like that they would actually think that they can do this over money? I, I have to believe it's deeper than that. I think that the the great reset shit comes into play here. I don't mm -hmm. I don't know how it I don't know how it all fits together. Like this is it's too big for me to really wrap my head around. Um, but I'm I'm still working my way through it. But I, I really believe that there is a a treatment for this, and they have kept it from us. And I for the life of me, I can't understand why. Did you listen to uh, uh, Ivor Ivor Cummins Cummins on uh, the Tom Woods show last week? I've I've heard him before. I don't know if I heard that episode though. He brought up a point about what you're talking about um, with the hydrochloroquine. If I can mm. say that that no no word um, that part of the like stipulation of when they did like the emergency uh, approval of the vaccine was that there was like a no compete clause where if like if they're going all in on this, then they can't have something else come in and stop it. So like, even if it was being effective, uh, essentially, uh, you know, I'm, my words, not his was that like they had to they had a motive to kind of silence that because it's like, no, 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 there, there's no other solution other than this vaccine. That's why we're rushing it through. They're like, there's exactly. some kind of legal clause behind it with big pharma. Yeah. It's because and, it's because in order to get the waiver from FDA full approval, they had to have no treatment available yeah. and any treatment that was available that many, many doctors say does work and it has efficacy. They essentially banned it. I mean, they, they made it so you couldn't talk about hydro hydroxychloroquine, they made it so that, that, I mean, very few people have even heard of ivermectin. And, I, and as far as I can tell, ivermectin is the, is the absolute cure for this thing. Like, if you take ivermectin, you will not die. We had a half a million people die. And, and that should cost two cents a pill. So explain, explain to me how this happened. I mean, any of you guys have a fucking thesis, I'll listen. Like, I, I genuinely want to understand it because I have seen doctors talk about this and and I'm not I'm not like the conspiracy guy that just goes like, oh, I heard a doctor say it, so I know it's true. I'm saying like I've seen it multiple times. I've seen them. They bring up studies. They talk about them. I think it was in Argentina. They they had 500 or so patients that like they gave them, they gave half of them ivermectin when they came in and they gave the other half placebo. And of those. Oh, it was actually it wasn't the patients. It was the nurses. So the nurses on duty, half of them were taking as a prophylactic, which means you take it to prevent getting covid. They mm -hmm. were taking it. None of them got it. None of them got it. And the other half, I think it was like 60% of the people got COVID. That shit is, I mean, that's pretty fucking airtight science right there. So you got a thesis? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I have, I was, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot the last week or so. And I think that the whole vaccine passport endgame is they're really trying to create a class of second class citizens out of political dissidents. It's like, it feels I, like. instead of going with the, the, uh, you know, very in style Nazi Germany Jew comparison. I think it's more along the lines of Palestinians. Like you're, mm. you're not going to have the same rights. You can live in your house. You can go to work if your employer will have you, but it's really a way to try to get people who are skeptical of the official narrative to just bend down and kiss the ring. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that's a good thesis. And, and what you saw on January 6th, the, the difference in treatment and the difference in coverage of the, riots that happened for six months leading up to January 6th. And then that one day when the conservatives got a little uppity, it's like, I think that tells you a lot about how they're trying to frame yeah. things where like one protest is completely acceptable and legitimate and justified and, and nonviolent, even though 29 people died, I think versus January 6th, where basically no one dies. You have one cop that died, but he didn't even die of being beaten. He died of some 
some like post effects from being uh, pepper sprayed, it seems like. And then you got the lady shot in the neck. No one gives a fuck about her. I don't know. It's just all of it combined. It really does make me feel like they are trying to divide this country in a way that anybody that supported Donald Trump is persona non grata. And we're going to ruin your life. Like it's not enough to have won the election. We're going to end you as a functioning human being in this country. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not even a Trump supporter, but that shit scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, we're being attacked from so many angles. It's like, not only is it politically and it's like, just, they want to silent dissident voices like ours. Um, you know, even like I heard Steven Crowder, like got, got cut off YouTube this week. I was listening to Tim pool today. And, um, you know, so it's like it moved from like, oh, get Alex Jones off the air. And right away, of course, it keeps moving in on itself till they get rid of people who are completely reasonable just for any gotcha moment that they can. Yep. But then just, it's like, just as we learned. Also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and they, they like also are trying to destroy the currency. Like we're just going into hyperinflation. And it's like we're going to attack from every angle, culturally, politically, financially, you know, economically. Um, Not to mention they're they're trying to push through a bunch of gun control measures. Just, yeah. It's know, like, why, so how is that relevant? Not How's only do they want to group, to this? group you as a political dissident, they want to make sure that you can't get shit to defend yourself too. Right, dude. Which has any it, it, it discriminates immediately against the lower income and minority groups mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. They're, they're going to everybody... disarm them because they'll get reckless first. Yeah, has everybody here watched Game of Thrones? I know Mike hasn't. No. Yeah, I've seen it. I loved it. Okay. Okay. So cool. The analogy I like to use with when we talk about like the future and what's in store with the passports and all of the craziness going on simultaneously, we also have QE infinity happening and they've printed, they stopped keeping track of the M one and M two money supply. I think that's what the, the official thing, right? So they are destroying the currency. I mean, it's like they're doing it like it's a controlled demolition of the U S dollar. So at the same time, uh, with all this stuff going on, we're, we're fearing how powerful the state is going to be what happens it's like right now the analogy i want to use is winter is coming and the white walkers are coming because the dollar is going to be worthless but everybody's trying to fight over this power center and they're going for broke trying to control everything but i think this unstoppable force of of you know the dollar collapsing is going to be it could be like a soviet union collapse and all of what we're doing right now is completely irrelevant. And that's like the ultimate dystopian future. And what is it yeah. like, Clint, what do you think that looks like if they are able to complete this power grab or at least get a ton of it while we're having a currency collapse and economic depression? I mean, I think that we end up in, in a true either fascistic or whatever, whatever totalitarian governance you want to describe it as. I think that that's what they're laying the groundworks for. They want to have... They want to have all the mechanisms in place. I mean, they, they can just use the war on terror and the Patriot Act to basically make enemy combatants out of conservatives. I mean, that that's what it appears to me like they're laying the groundwork to do. And it's certainly, the yeah, and, cer and certainly we will be included in the conservatives ranks just simply because we're political dissidents. Um, right. So I, I think that that's, that's where it's headed if we don't stem it somehow. Like I, I that's why I'm I'm just doing everything I possibly can because I really I really care about this country. I care about I care about the American people. I mean, I care about people and and the world broadly, but I'm just saying like I'm from here. I'm born here. Like I I value fucking my neighbors and and my family and everybody that's that's around here and I value people that value freedom. And I know there's still more more people here than there are probably in the rest of the world combined that value the type of dangerous freedom that we do. So like 
you have to decide is it is it are the odds so bad that you have to flee or is it worth fighting for here and staying i every day i wake up and i feel differently i don't know I don't, what i don't know what the right answer is yeah i mean vin you know vin makes a very compelling argument that like what the hell are you still doing there right <laughs> i felt stupid after getting done with him like I, I i'm just so i got so many reasons like i i literally can't i mean things i can't even talk about in the podcast that hold me here sure but it's like i <laughs> it's 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 not that easy i got a big family well, i got deep roots and see the thing is is that vin has a religious belief that we are entering an age of their control and their dominance that is inevitable it's like he believes it's like biblical prophecy whereas i don't i don't believe that maybe i just don't want to maybe he's right i don't know uh maybe i'm just an idiot but I still, I still feel like there's a chance that we can win this and we can stop it, or at least we can push it towards a peaceful secession, which I think is by far the best option. I was gonna, I was actually just gonna ask you about that. Oh yeah, go for it. You know, do, so you you think that a, a nice peaceful divorce is the best, one of the better solutions? Then I think it's the best solution, man. I, I really think that if they try and keep us together. But, but create a caste system and, and make it so that conservatives and libertarians are second-class citizens, we'll, n- we'll never accept that. I won't, you know? Right. So I think that anyone that owns guns in this country that means it will fight back. I think that it'll end up being a bloody civil war. I don't have any interest in going that path. I'm a really peaceful person, despite all my vitriolic rants that I give. I don't want to fucking kill anybody. You know, I, right. I, want, I want to separate peacefully and allow... Yeah my kids to have a peaceful plot of land to grow up on. That's, that's my goal here. Um, so I think that that's the only option that ends even close to peacefully anything else. And it's going to be violent. Amen. And that's, that's exactly, you know, that's cause I, you know, I've gotten a little kind of concerned about, you know, the direction that the show turned where we've kind of talked about a lot of topics that aren't very, you know, uh, allowable by mainstream society and no uh it, it's <laughs> like <of> it's <laughs> you know and it started with my name on it so i was kind of like yeah, do i want to do this but i was like you know what it, my great grandkids they're they're i'd rather have them remember me for for at least doing something peaceful like i tried to take a peaceful approach like i no way ever in way shape or form trying to condone any sort of violence or anything on our show like we were trying to spread our message just having thought-provoking discussions with interesting people like yourself and it's like that's it's just a really it's it's a it's a very hard position for us to be in because it's like well, how do you fight back what do you do like i can't just go grab my gun and get just go start fighting random people like that wouldn't right. solve anything if anything it'll get you just more state regulation mm-hmm. so it's like you have to try to change minds like that's that's the only way i see or leave you can leave it change it or accept it right and i can't accept it so uh, yeah, you right. Know, you know the two options that I'm dealing with, and and that's that's the whole point of my show is to try and and my Twitter you know outlet is like I'm trying to convert as many people, and I'm trying to inspire those that are already converted. And like if I can do that, if I can get if if I do that, and I bring a hundred people with me, and then a thousand other people do that, and they bring a hundred with them, and then a small percentage of that do the same thing with a small percentage of their uh you know their network, we might actually be able to shift this. Like I really do believe that it only takes a small percentage of people to actually run shit and mm-hmm. i'm not interested yeah. in controlling anybody's life but if we get a meaningful movement of a small minority a small fraction of a minority of this country to actually say that we will not accept lockdowns ever again and we will not accept a vaccine passport and we will fight and die to prevent it if they say it and they actually mean it 
we might prevent having to fight and die for it. And that's right. So that's that's where I'm headed. Is like I want peace, but unless you're willing to sacrifice everything, I don't think peace is an option. So if we if we demonstrate that we're serious, they might actually relent and say, "Okay, you can have Tennessee and Texas, you fucking psychos." You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great you know, weather and scenery. I'll take it. Yeah. And and I and I think there is a little bit of a white pill in all this in that these lockdowns, they may have played their cards a little too early. I think that I think that what happened is you have a lot of people that are very radicalized now. I I think that and and you know, you've you've been pretty active on Twitter in the last you know while. So I think maybe you're seeing it the same way I am. I, we inevitably follow a lot of the same people. For sure. And I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing it go from people dunking on people about like Rothbard or that stuff's going away. And you're starting to see more like, no, we need we're done. Like we're not following these rules. And like even even the people that like like Tower Gang, like that's effective. You know, Twitter started showing, like, if you go to look at a tower, they say this may contain offensive messages. <laughs> yeah, so, it, it, shout, shout like, out Tower Gang. <laughs> I, yeah, hell yeah. I love you guys, Tower Gang. And, you know, but it, but it's like, even, even the memes are getting spicier and they're getting <laughs> yeah, they are. more prevalent. You know, I mean, even like when I go on, uh, on Facebook occasionally, you're starting to see spicier stuff shared yep. by people that didn't used to share a lot of spicy stuff. Right. So I think there is a little bit of a white pill there that people are like, these people fucked my whole year. Yep. They, they took a whole year of my life for what? For a right. sniffle? I mean, yeah. yeah, obviously, yes, some people were very severely affected. Sure. But I, I think there is a white pill there. And, and even I've even had some people that were like, I'm voting Biden. I hate Trump. And all of a sudden I'm getting text messages like this guy kind of sucks. So I think, I, I think that there's a little bit of a white pill there and I'm, I'm with you. I I really hope that the message can be pushed to where they'll just be like, yeah, here's a few States. Leave us the fuck alone. Exactly. And, and I would gladly move. Hell yeah. I mean, shoot at the rate Ron DeSantis is, Florida might become its own country here soon. Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> I tell you, Illinois is so funny because it's like, like, what are the things, what's keeping people here? We have the shittiest weather. We have the coldest winter. We got the hottest summers. We got the flattest, ugly scenery and the worst tyrannical government. Like, but they act like they, they, like we have something going where they can just like tax the shit out of everyone because they have Chicago. Like that, 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 that city runs the entire, the rest of the state is completely red rather than uh, East St. Louis and Chicago. Like those two counties turn the entire state dark blue because mm-hmm. they're so densely populated. But it's like that, the that's, state dude, that's sucks. every state in the union, though, brother. Uh, right. if, you yeah. look at, if you look at California, I mean, it's San Francisco and L.A., but right. that's where all the people are. So that's they're blue. Everything else is red, but they run shit because they have 10 times the population in those cities as the rest of the state does. And, and the state of California is enormous. So in terms of landmass, you know, conservative freedom loving people still possessed, possess the majority of the land in this country. But in terms of people, the blue slightly has it. And I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not even saying that the, the red is like definitively better. I mean, they have some very bad instincts when it comes to militarism yes. and things like that. Sure. But when it comes to valuing and defending freedom, there Realize. is no fuck. There is no debate. 
The conservatives yep. are better for us than the left is, and it's not yep. close. So yep. if I have to pick a side, I will be in the red Florida or Texas or wherever the hell I have to go yeah. because there's no way in fucking hell I'm staying in some blue dystopic nightmare for the rest of my life. Sure. Yeah. yeah and holy you know, shit, we're, everybody, we're like uh, everybody hour. makes the point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's flown by, but everybody makes the point that, you know, the, the rural areas, the, the red, the right, they have all the guns. People also forget that we also have all the corn. That's a powerful weapon. Yeah. <laughs> makes yeah, everything. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, have to it, embar- embargo these assholes. <laughs> you know, and, and that's like the thing. If you looked at the electoral map in, in 2020 or 2016, the entire Midwest outside of like Illinois and Minnesota is, is red, mm-hmm. the whole thing. And, you know, you're starting to see like a lot of folks in the Midwest, they're, they're not about, I'm going to call them coastal policies. They're, they're not about it, you know? And like, so I live in Nebraska. You drive from Nebraska to Illinois. Every gas station has ethanol. Do you really think these people are going to want to push for like electric cars, like a mandate for electric cars and all this stuff? Like not a chance. No. And, no. and I think that there's a lot of opportunity in the Midwest um, for that kind of white pill, get secession in the Overton window. And I think you might see, you know, you're seeing it already a little bit. Like the state of Missouri just passed a law that was like, they're not going to enforce any fe- new federal firearm laws. They're that not doing it. Be- beautiful. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I mean, Missouri is a state that they're a red state, but they also like Bernie Sanders won the primary for them. So what's that tell you? Like, that's, a, that's a relatively moderate red state. You mm-hmm. know? And like, you got states like, like Nebraska and all these other ones, even Iowa, like, it's only a matter of time before they start doing the same. Well, that, that's another white pill is that I, I do believe that there is a huge amount of this country that aren't interested in being ruled over like slaves. I really do believe that. I'm not sure that they realize how close they are to that fate. Um, but that's, in my view, that's our job. Our job is to inform them. Our job is to send out tweets like Li- Libertarian Party of Kentucky and say, yep. we're not going to fucking wear the star, you know, like. Yeah. Make the analogies that make people consider how dire this is. Because if you try and water it down and you go, oh, you can't compare it to the Holocaust. There's, this is, there's nothing racial about this. Well, first off, there is something racial about it. Because for the past two years, all I've heard is straight white men are fucking evil. So Dude. This, is, this is racial. Please, yeah. let's stop pretending yeah. like there isn't a racial element to this. And the majority of conservative voters are also white. It's racial to some extent. And... You know, I don't make that comparison very often because it gets people, you know, concerned that I'm some sort of white nationalist or something. I'm not at all. But right. but when I see a consistent racist movement, I'm going to point it out. And and if I happen to be the victim of it, then I'm definitely going to point it out because like right. the only time race ever comes up in my life is when some left wing person is telling me that there's racial things going on. Like other than that. I treat everyone the same. Like and everyone I know does the same. And like I exactly. I'm in a job where I where I, I I move around and deal with a lot of people from a lot of different beliefs. Um and like Dave Smith always gives that uh that analogy about the taxi cab where he's a Jew with a with a Muslim driver and since right. they're engaging in commerce, they get along. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's kind of what I do for a living. And like it never comes up. I don't see what I in my life anecdotally what I hear on the news. Like I, I don't see it anywhere and i go to some really really play, like, kind of different places where a lot of people don't look like me when i go there and mm-hmm. i have no problems 
Yeah, I, I really don't think that this country is a, a deeply racist society. I think it's right. probably one of the least racist on the planet in truth. Um, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that there aren't racist aspects of our institutions. That doesn't mean that there aren't disproportionate impacts from certain laws that we have on the books, all of which libertarians oppose, by the way. Um, right. So like, I'm not trying to downplay the plight of black people or minorities in this country at all. But sure. I'm just saying that we've made huge strides and we're acting as if we are living in you know, segregation is South. It's just not fucking true. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the honest. That I've always kind of thought about when people tell me like this country is founded on racism, uh, you know, slave owners, which, okay, it's, it's, it's truthful. It is true. Like these people did own slaves, but it also ended. My wife just turned the lights off down here. I text her. <laughs> um, it ended uh, slavery. Something that's been around since the dawn of man in 89 years. Right. Like pretty, capitalism pretty, ended pretty slavery. Good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Like, and, and a lot of people fail to realize the real root cause of a lot of these with, you know, systemic problems that indirectly, in you know, affect minorities. It's always, it always goes back to the same thing. It's the state. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like when people are like, you know, cops are racist and uh, by all means, there probably is some racist cops. Sure. For sure. But, but who's who are the, who? What institution directs the cops to do that stuff? Right. The where state. does their where does their power come from? Where right. does their the monopoly st- of violence come from? The state. The state. So and like I I've actually found a lot of a lot of luck when I just I keep asking questions until I get them to see oh shit like who writes the laws? Mm-hmm. I don't write the laws. You don't write the laws. Mike doesn't write the laws. The government does. Right. So like and- all these things that are screwing people over. There's one root cause. And, and at best, we get to vote every couple of years to decide on who gets to write those laws. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, not, that's not exactly representative. Um, no. And then, then you have the question of legitimacy. Then you have the question of cathedral manipulation of the populace when it comes to voting and making their decisions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all stacked against us at this point. And I think it was Mike that was pointing it out. I, I really do believe that, like, yeah, we are, we are being attacked on all angles at all mm-hmm. times. And I mean, I'm exhausted by it. I'm horrified by it. The only reason that I don't give up and just be like, because I'm a rich dude, I could just fucking leave. I don't even have to deal with any of this shit is because right. I, I care. I really do care. Like, mm-hmm. I want this country to survive. I want these people to survive. And I honestly, genuinely in my soul believe that if we don't fucking rise up, this ends up in like, I don't know if it's Holocaust level, but it ends up in a, in a dystopic future that, I mean, there's no way. I could I could lay my my head down at night and feel okay about myself if I didn't do everything in my power to fight this while I still had an opportunity right. to. So no, Clinton, that's that's why I, that's why I thank you and I'm I'm glad to help promote your show and and uh, spread your message it, to everyone because, I mean, yeah, you said you're you're a rich dude who's single and you're sticking around fighting the fight. I'm a do it okay, dude. That's thirty with four kids and a, <laughs> one income. So I, right. I can't just up and leave. So it's like I yeah. need guys like you to keep mm-hmm. fighting the fight. So Hell like, yeah, and I and I appreciate you. guys like you that are willing to sacrifice because I know you're risking something and you have children to look after. So uh, on the flip side, you know my I have no excuses. I'm I have fi- I'm financially free. I don't have a corporation that I have to like watch what I'm saying or I might get fired. I don't give a fuck. And then I also don't have kids to worry about. So like I have no excuse. You have excuses and you're still doing it. So that takes a special level of courage. No, oh, thank you. But yeah, it's it's a it's pure it's a pure passion project is all it really exactly. is. I mean, it's, it's yep. because I, I I've I, I have very finite time having four kids. Number one, so what I do with it, you know, it's hard to uh, 
hard to find a lot of hobbies besides you know having a couple of beers and shooting the shit with your buddies that's <laughs> right. you know living in nebraska that i'd otherwise be out of touch with if it was the 1980s right, so right, right. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a uh, dual purpose but no yeah i don't know how much time you got it's right we're already past an hour but holy shit this is like the fastest podcast it's, it's been such a fun <laughs> conversation yeah but um, you know i, I think 10 more minutes i think i think the the 10 10 minutes I think okay. I think the work the work you're doing, you know, and now like you're working with Dave too. I, I I'm seeing a little more organization and a little more coordination, which is I think what was sorely lacking in the liberty mm-hmm. movement before. And I, I think it's really good. Even if it's just a Tower Gang group chat, it's still good coordination. <laughs> and and it's a start. And I think that the Mises Caucus is is an organization, you know, I I was firmly against joining the LP, but I, I would definitely consider the Mises caucus because right. I, I, it's good messaging. I, yes. this is the messaging that I would have loved to hear in 2020 in 2016. Fucking a. And, and instead we just got like suits. We just got empty suits. You know, I'm, I'm sure George Jorgensen's a nice lady and all, but like people would have loved to hear that message. Yep. They would have loved to hear the Mises caucus message in March of 2020. Yep. And that's that's why I will fight and die trying to make sure that the yeah. message that we hear in the 2022 elections and the 2024 election is one of radical freedom and peace. Like that's that's what we're pushing for. And I know that Dave and Michael Heiss and Angela McArdle, I know that they're all on the same page. And I really do believe that they're going to have tremendous success in making this message as passionate and as beautiful as it should sound. And yep. thank God. Thank God we're finally doing it. And and, you know, I'd like to, it's also nice to see the, the usual social club LP members are getting really defensive, which means they're scared. Exactly. Cause they know it's a done deal, dude. Like if, if people, if people like you and I get involved and we fucking actually show up, it's over. I mean, Dave says it all the time, but he's right. I, I went to a Tom Woods event and I mean, there was a lot of people there, by the way, which was really uplifting. I didn't expect that. Um, but I, I just know it. I know it in my bones. Like the, the way they talk, the Andy Craigs of the world and all these fucking losers are horrified of us. And they should mm-hmm. be because we're actually serious. We're not, yep. we're not these like, oh, I'm going to you know, make a career out of being in the Libertarian Party. And I'm going to go right for reason or some bullshit like that. I could give a fuck less about making a career out of this. I am interested yep. in having a country for my kids to grow up in. That's all I care about. So yep. um, I don't I don't believe that they can't come with the same passion. And as long as we bring the passion, they we're unbeatable. They can't fuck with us. So, right, dude. Yeah. And yeah, no. And, and we, you know, we're down to our last few minutes here. So I did want to just let you know, I, I don't know if you've listened to our past episodes, but we um, will be at Freedom Fest. We got our media pass as well. And I heard Hell you say yeah, this name. Yeah. So yeah. really looking forward. I'd love to buy you a beer when we get out there. Hell yeah. Um, maybe versa. do some recording. If have got some downtime. We're going to be on the same row there. Yeah, for but, sure. Uh, well, I think I think we're going to have a lot of a lot of people to interview, so we might yeah uh, save that for for after the event. But that'll be a yeah. blast. Are you there? <laughs> are you there all four days? Yep. Yeah. No, it's kind of like a working vacation for me. Like I said, I got a wife and four kids, so we're going to try to do a whole Black Hills thing while we're there. But Beautiful. you know, I got Nick and Tyler coming too, so they're going to we're going to alternate who's going to be at the at the media row uh, throughout the day. Hell yeah! Man. But yeah, man, it's going to be a blast. Be so uh, yeah, looking forward to meeting you and yeah, yeah same. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. I can't wait. Definitely, dude. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. I mean, they keep adding more and more uh, speakers to that list. That looks amazing. Christy Nome will be there, so I'll get to hammer her on banning 
uh, hemp production in our state. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think I think that uh, it's going to be a really just a, it's going to be a big event. So I hope I hope that a, a ton of people show up that normally wouldn't. I think that like I just keep I keep saying it, but I really mean it. This is our last chance, guys. Like, yeah, that when this when this economic system comes to a screeching halt, which it will, which we didn't even talk about, even though that's kind of my expertise. It, like it's we're going to either build back from the rubble or I'm going to leave it. So let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope we can actually build something uh, better than what we've got right now. And I think I think we've got a chance at it. So, you know, stay optimistic. I don't know. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Keep fighting peacefully. So Exactly. Well, awesome, Clint. Thank you so much for your time. I mean, you may not be a religious man, but you're out there doing the Lord's work. And for that, I thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. It's good to hear. Um, <laughs> you got anybody anything wanna, to plug? Yeah, I was just going to say, anybody want to follow me? I'm, I'm on Twitter at Liberty Lock Pod and Liberty Lockdown on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, um, Instagram, everywhere else. So if you guys want to follow, that'd be great. And I have... Uh, Pete Quinones and Vin Armani and Hotep Jesus and a whole bunch of crazy names lined up for next month. So awesome. damn good yeah. work, man. Keep it up. Thanks, Thanks for yeah. subscribe, subscribe to Liberty Lockdown guys. It's a great show and vice versa. Thank you guys. <laughs>